This episode is dedicated to the memory and life of Sean Sullivan and our friend Chrissy. If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Talk! <laughs> talk, 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 talk. Um, we're gonna, we still, you okay? You okay? We can... You never know when we're gonna be in this room together again. And, um, but I, I, I do have, I'm of the opinion that it won't be another 12 years, that's for sure. And, We've had some great shows this tour, and this is, again, right at the top. If you're listening to Bootleg now, you should see what I'm seeing. It's something else. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and we have some things to talk about this week because well not pearl jam live but eddie vetter and the earthlings played live this past week and yes we did release an episode earlier this week where we did kind of go over it a little bit but I think a lot of the same talking points are going to be brought up here. They probably have to be. So we're going to talk about it again because that's just what we do. And I think I'm going to get into a little bit more of my stories, which, hell, (laughs) I posted it for the the Live and Four Legs website, too. So it's kind of, hey, any, any way you slice it, we're going to have the story being told. And we'll try to mix it up as much as we can. But also in this episode, because... That's what what it is, is an episode, and every single episode that we have of Live on Four Legs is a show from their history, and this is one from 2012, a year we don't really touch up on very often because they were mostly in Europe, and like these shows don't get really talked about, and then when you go over to the States... You know, you have your your Atlanta show, and and I think you know a couple people like that maybe, and Made in America. Yeah, I, I was I was there. I was there. Well, I, you know, it, it's okay. You know, it, it's it's fine and all, but 
Like, you, you just don't really have much out of 2012. I'm totally messing. I'm totally messing around. I'm not going to take your bait. I didn't expect you to. No, you shouldn't. It's 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 total. It's a total lie. It's total bullshit. I'm a snake oil salesman. What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, and I, I think about the one that I went to, Made in America Festival, and there's not even a bootleg for that. So there you go. You want to laugh away? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Drake Drake open for Pearl Jam. Right. Go ahead. Laugh it up. Yeah, I had we had Ludacris in Atlanta. I would rather have Ludacris. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We we did have the return of Run DMC. That was okay. really that was awesome. You get, you get something for that. Exactly. Yeah. And Cornell played on another stage, which I didn't like. It was in between Run DMC and Drake, and I just didn't want to run over. I had a good spot, and I knew that a lot of people were going to leave after Drake, so just kind of just kind of mosey on in. But we're not here to talk about that. That was Philadelphia that year. We're going to talk about Stockholm, Sweden, because it was a Patreon request from our patron and friend, Michael. That's what we're going to do today, so let's start the show off proper, shall we? Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hey, I feel like uh, I haven't talked to you in the last, like, at least 15 seconds. Ooh, yeah, it's been... Uh, How have you been? Just, things things have been right? busy. Um, yeah, you, doing fine. Keeping well, like keeping, every every yeah. good health and all that. Like because uh, that, that fifteen seconds that fifteen seconds ago, I, I I just wasn't sure. Like I'm just checking yeah. in on, as a friend, man. I did like, hold my breath for like a few seconds, but I think I'm I'm ooh. back to breathing now. So I think we should be fine. You got to be careful. Yeah, it's like an every like two and a half second kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just just make sure. And then yeah. if 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 you can't feel yourself breathe again, like that, just like kind of pat yourself on the back like, and make sure it kind of comes out. Don't bury the lead here. How are you? You got to see you got to see Eddie Vedder and the Earth. I'm actually, honestly, I'm great. I'm fantastic. I, I feel as good as I ever had coming out of a show, 48 hours or so after the show day. Because you were kind of you were kind of muted going into it. You were kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like last week, you were kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like I'm, I'm not really getting my hopes up too high. And really, but then like, it, yeah, it actually you. got worse. It actually got worse once they did the surprise show in Portchester because a Portchester's forty minutes away from my house, so I'm like, "What the fuck?" They didn't tell me. Like, come on, guys. Like, uh, Glenn, give me, send me an email. Like, Josh Klinghoffer, you, one of your fan sites follows us on Twitter. You, you got to know where where we are. You, you got to know where I live. Come on, man. And uh, I, you know, I was just a little. I think the thing I was bummed out about with that was that I saw the set list. And I'm like, well, if this is how this is going to go, it's like a lot of covers that I didn't really care for. Like, Here Comes the Sun. Like, I just, it, it's a great song. I love the song. I really do. I love George Harrison's version of it. I just didn't want to see that. that. That's like, I don't know, when Pearl Jam yeah. plays yeah, kind of the saying. obvious song. Like, it's just, come on, man. It's, like, think of something better, which he ended up doing. Yeah, I mentioned this on our on our Discord. I think I posted that Ed has has gone full traveling Wilburys. Like he's going oh, yeah. George Harrison, he's going Tom Petty, he's done the Bob Dylan. It's only a matter of time mm-hmm. before we're getting Roy Orbison and, oh, and Jeff Lynn uh, covers. And he's he, that that is totally the vibe that he's going for on this. If if the traveling Wilburys were still a thing, Ed would be first in line, knocking at the door, be like, "Hey guys, can I join?" Oh, I'm sure absolutely. he's I'm sure he's called Bob Dylan and like. 
Is it, is it okay we, that I have Earthlings here? Can we here? get this back together? Like, I'm sure right. he's trying to start like a reboot of the Traveling Wilburys because that is totally what he's trying to do with all these these covers, like the REM thing, Tom Petty, George Harrison. Like, yeah, that that's totally his vibe right now. Yeah, and I think what's what's really interesting about it, and and Rolling Stone, like the Rolling Stone article, I just didn't like how they posed it because it kind of it watered it down. It's like '90s reunion stars. I'm like, oh, first of all, the only '90s reunion you have is like Chad Smith and Eddie Vedder. That's all because Josh Klinghoffer joined the Chili Peppers in what 2012, 10. Don't, don't ask me. It, like it was last decade, and Glenn Hansard wasn't popular until once came out once came out in what oh six oh seven something like that something like that yeah so like you really just have and i think the the idea is that oh pearl jam is combining with red hot chili peppers to make this super group and and it's it's a lot more than that because then you have andrew watt that's thrown in there and andrew watt is really young i i actually i I meant to look this up i don't know how old andrew watt is it seems like he's actually younger than me because at the show and it told us a, a great story about how at the Beacon, which the show was at the Beacon Theater, obviously. He is, he is 31. Sorry to interrupt. Andrew Watt is 31. He's four years younger than me. Like, yeah. the fuck, man? I, I got a podcast, and you got you got that. I mean, you're Mike McCready Jr., and <laughs> I'm Randy Sobel over here. <laughs> but you're John Farrar over there, so that's okay. We're all comfortable with that. Uh, but the story that Ed told was that he w- and his father must have some kind of connection that he was able to get him backstage at what I'm assuming was the 2008 Beacon show. And this would make sense that he would be 31 because in 2008, going backstage and talking to Mike and saying, you know, I want to do music for a career. Should I do music or should I go to college? I graduated college in 2009, which I really, I, I spent an extra year of college. The intention, if you were doing four-year college, I should have graduated in 2008, which means he probably wasn't even in high school when I went to college. So that's super fucked. And like, again, what the fuck am I doing? But he's out there. Apparently, Ed loves the kid. And it took me, I think I, I we, we had mentioned some stuff about him last week and just kind of like just being hesitant about it and a little bit of because of who he's produced in the past and a little bit of just because it seemed a little immediate that Ed would be like, yeah, come join us. And like Ed is really attached to this kid now it threw me for a loop seeing him very early on because he was wearing a sequin jacket thing and he was really dancing around the stage and like i mentioned mike mccready jr he was really stealing a lot of mike's moves and by stealing i mean you know borrowing or, or paying tribute the, paying tribute i think the action was that he is such a huge fan of pearl jam that that's what he knew and that's what he wanted to be. He even kind of had like short hair dyed blonde. It was kind of like the circa 2000 stone bleach blonde. I think McCready had bleach blonde like tips for a while. And and it kind of looked like that. It kind of looked like, like slim shady kind of, kind of look there with adult pajamas, which I just, I I thought it was like very childish at first. I'm just like, it's stupid. And it's just not, 
not really like my thing. And I was just like, ah, what is it? this kid doesn't fit. And it seemed like he was almost like you wanted to say to him, like, know your role, Rook. There was a, the, the, the Chris Cheney, I believe his name is, was playing bass. You got to pay your dues, man. Right. And I mean, essentially he has because he's worked yeah. with Miley. He's worked with Ozzy and now he's worked with Ed and all these guys. And, and he, they all he may be producing him. Pearl Jam very soon. Right. And the thing is, I think for all of us that don't know shit to us, we're like, dude, who the fuck are you? And by the end of the night, like, I think that was really the most just surprising part of the night was by the end of the night, you really got to you got to learn who he was. And it really wasn't until Porch that I saw with him and what it was from Porch was not just Porch was just a absolute banger but he started the war picks tag and once that happened that got in my mind of that's not something that like a normal studio guitar player right that's not something that that's that's a kid that like grew up collecting bootlegs that's a kid that's been listening to this that's a kid that had been talking ed's ear off that had been studying this Andrew, so, email us if you're listening. We'd love to talk to you. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a fan. I wouldn't be surprised if he has some kind of hold on this community. I, I know he's he's got connections. I know he's super way more important than any of us are. But like, again, I, I think when you have sort of the fandom in you, it doesn't really leave. So I don't. I'm not saying that he has listened to or knows what this podcast is, but I'm saying like he probably still will go out and buy vaults and still will collect. Pearl Jam shirts and things like that because that's just what you do when you just have such a fanatic obsession and it seems like he's that kind of person like it really he really showed his colors with that version of Porch and I was very very impressed and even in, on Better Man too when they started going into the people of the power tag like you have to really hold to a very very high standard to hit where Mike McCready's hitting and all the, like I'm calling him Mike McCready jr. Because it's again, that standard is so high, but he did such a wonderful job making that attempt to fit in and be that. And while it was uncomfortable at first, I really appreciated what he was doing by the end of the night. And that helped I think the idea of everything, but I'm sorry that we kind of started with that. Cause it felt like sort of a negative that kind of turned into a positive, but the whole night was just amazing. It was incredible. The whole show from, from Glenn coming out there doing a couple songs and he only, he was out there for probably 20 minutes, five songs. And he just had the place roaring, man. He's so good. He's such a, a good entertainer. And he didn't need to play much more than that because he was going to be out and he's going to do some Flag Day songs with them, too, and play a whole entire set with them. So obviously he's got to save his voice and all. But just the show from the start had good energy, good vibes. Ed was happy. Ed was just I think from the start, he's just like, it's great to be here. And, you know, it's just kind of taking it all in and and there was nothing but happiness and look you know they did some pearl jam they did wish list uh, you know eddie mentioned yield it was yield's 24th anniversary he said 25th but it also was the same day that david bowie's record do you know what it's called 
Earthling. Earthling, right. Yep. So, of course, he had to make that tie-in, and it was a very, very good one. Towards the end, like, of course, there the George Harrison song, Isn't It a Pity, is always a, a big staple at Ed's shows, and Better Man was very good with the people at the power tag, like I mentioned, and Watchtower closing it out. Like, it just felt like a big party. And I was so satisfied afterwards. I was so happy with what we got. I was happy to hear live music. I was happy to kind of be in the presence of all of them. And and hearing Chad Smith play with them was a real treasure because although I'm not that much of a Chili Peppers fan anymore, I really do love Chad Smith and what he's done for them. And even, you know, I think we've had kind of some criticisms of Klinghoffer on the show just to be like, what's his role within Pearl Jam? I thought... I thought Kling, Klinghoffer was great. I really did. <laughs> I, you know, he he played he played a little keyboard. He played a little more rhythm guitar than he did lead. More more rhythm guitar than lead. Okay. A- Andrew was lead guitar for the most part. Hmm. He was he was in Mike's spot and and Josh was in Stones. So yeah. Josh was really the stone, and I thought Josh did a, did a wonderful job, like sort of directing traffic in that role. And and Glenn was kind of back and forth between sort of the organ and acoustic guitar a little bit, and even I think he played acoustic guitar in in the faster song like Try and and Rosa. I think he was playing acoustic guitar in that. So I mean, what else is he gonna do, right? That's that's sort of his thing. But it was just, it, guys, it was a fun fun experience, and. It, you know, if you have the opportunity and by this time, maybe a Chicago show is still going on, uh, maybe L.A., San Diego and Seattle are going to be happening after this episode. If you have the opportunity to get a ticket and you're worried about the price, if you're worried about what have you, just do it. Just go and do it because you don't know if this is ever going to happen again. The Chili Peppers are going to go on a massive summer tour. After this, Pearl Jam is going to try to do their best to hit home every single tour that they can. And then Glenn's going to do his own thing. Josh is is probably going to follow Pearl Jam around. Andrew's probably going to follow Pearl Jam around. But they won't. I don't know if they'll ever get back to this as a unit. Maybe they'll come back for an Ohana at some point. But I don't think they'll ever do this again. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. This could be like a just a one-time thing. Right. You have to treasure it for what it is. And I think a lot of what I wanted this to be and a lot of what my disappointment was with the Porchester show was not getting any into the wild stuff. And I think that was the main thing. Like, okay, if I go and we hear some new stuff, at least we'll get some solo ed doing into the wild to sort of balance that out. And we didn't. And at the end of the day, I wasn't even disappointed about it. I didn't care because everything else was so good. Because even the in between, like hearing the new stuff, and being impressed by the new stuff, and then, boom, out of nowhere, Wishlist. And once Wishlist hit, and you know my take on Wishlist, it's not like one of my favorite songs in the world, but once Wishlist hit, I was just ecstatic. Ecstatic, especially after the Yield conversation. I was just, I freaked out. I was so happy when I heard Porch and Betterment, like... I was I was kind of the guy, the person next to me probably thought I was I was that guy. I, you know, I pointed out I'm like, oh, better man lighting, better man lighting. I, I, I know I know the cues for this, but you know what? I'm sorry. I I, I watch a lot of shows because that's just what we do on the on this podcast. So look, and I'm burying stuff that happened the next night with Dirty Frank and Timeless Melody. And boy, do I wish that uh, we got Timeless Melody. And uh, look, I know Dirty Frank is a one of a kind thing. Let's just say this right now. Uh, Stone and Jeff are probably like breathing a sigh of relief that 
less people are going to be hurling signs oh, with that be song. More now. It's going to be more now. No, I, I think I, not a lot of people were there. I don't think it's going to make it go away. We'll see. I, I I just wonder if there's like another song that people are just going to be like, well, we did, we at least got a version of that. And people will be like, okay, let's move on to the next thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it, it's tough because Dirty Frank is very tough to beat in that yeah, department. That's, but that's the one that that's the one that you're always going to get. I know, I know. But anyway, anyway, like like I mentioned, Thomas Melody, I would have killed for that. That would have been so much better than getting Here Comes the Sun. But you know what? That I, I'm glad that the people that went that night were able to get something like that because. That shows that the band is is thinking, even though this is all going to be new stuff, we're still going to mix it up every night. So hopefully there are more surprises. We're recording this before the Newark show, so maybe there's a surprise or two with the Newark show. You never know. So, And then we're just going to keep following along, keep up with all the stuff. We're going to try as much as we can the next week or so. These shows are going on to follow on and do kind of some set list threads on both Facebook and Twitter, the Facebook Pearl Jam podcast community page and on Twitter yeah, at live uh, on Forlux pod. If you're going to the, any of the shows, let us know, send us a review, send us a review. If you want to be our set list liaison yeah. through us and help out live footsteps as well, because that'll be a big thing for, for Dave. He's trying to get the set list and he's actually starting to build the Eddie Vedder section of, of his website of livefootsteps.org. So the more that we're able to kind of get the more information, cause it, it's a little bit more sparse than Pearl Jam stuff, you know, stuff from like 2012 and 2008, that is all available for Pearl Jam is less available for Eddie better. So if that's information that, you know, if, if you have those set lists, that's, that's going to be really important for us moving forward. So not just that, but anything that's happening, if you're going to the shows in the next coming weeks as well. So, all right. Like I mentioned before, we are covering Stockholm, Sweden today. A couple of fast facts, I suppose, before getting into this one. They hadn't been to Stockholm at that point since 2000 on the 2000 tour. This was like right around, like right before Ross killed happened. And before that, they hadn't been to Sweden since 1993. And there's a really good show there in 92 that we covered a couple years ago that just has like random salt, like a very early driven to tears. I think they closed the night with footsteps. I think release was in the second encore. Like there's some really just random things all over the place at that show, but they hadn't gone back to Sweden for all that time. Like think about all of the European tours they had done in between from 2006 to even going back in 2007 and, and 2009 and 2010, they skipped it. So what, we were able to get with Michael's story here is we were able to kind of get a younger Pearl Jam fan and having to wait for so long for the band to come by. This is the first time he's actually getting him in his home country. So why don't we tell a little bit of Michael's story and then we'll get into the show. So July 7th, 2012, that's the date of the show. He was 20 years old at the time and Pearl Jam had been my favorite band for the last five years. When I say favorite band, what I really mean is greatest interest, probably on the verge of obsession. Finding the band in somewhat turbulent adolescence had made them a spiritual guides in life. Like many other, I curse my ass for not being born 15 years earlier. Hey, I can be part of that category too. Sure, why not? Yeah, I was, I was born 15 years earlier. 
curse your ass for being bored. <laughs> Up until that point, I had been fortunate enough to see them live four times already, including PJ 20, because I was working at the YMCA camp in the US that year. Me and a couple of friends had gotten really into the grunge scene, but didn't have any connection to anyone else from the fan community, especially not fans who might have seen the band in their glory days. So when it was announced that PJ was going to play in Sweden for the first time in 12 years, I made sure we got tickets to the show. Me and my friends Jesper and David went to the show and I remember getting off the subway at the arena and seeing an ocean of people swarming towards the venue and just being genuinely surprised that all these people were Pearl Jam fans. Because we'd been in our own little bubble, we didn't really think that other fans existed in Sweden, at least not 13,000 of them. That feeling of amazement got even bigger when we got into the arena and we saw the place get more and more packed with people. Then on comes Pearl Jam. One, two, three, four, two, three, and I was in a state of love and trust, just being part of the crowd, screaming hello at the same time, and the band reacting with the smiles and excitement and just felt so unreal and so emotional. Here we are, greeting the band back to Sweden, just a mere hour away from home. A couple of songs in, Ed starts to speak Swedish and says, I can't believe it's been 12 years since we last met. Why haven't you called? And I'm glad that he uh, translated that for us because I was like, whoa, Ed told a joke. Everybody laughed and I have no idea what he said. So there we go. Same topic for later. I was so happy. I was crying from all the emotions. My other memories from the show itself are quite sparse, but I remember going apeshit about them playing all those yesterdays and believing that they played half full only because me and Jasper had bought a Swedish flag with half full written on it to one of the Amsterdam shows earlier in that tour. Other highlights for me were Amongst the Waves, Better Man, and the dedication of Just Breed to the parents of the victims from Roskilde. My lasting memory of the show is just the love from the crowd to the band and the back, and you can really tell that the band was genuinely happy to be there and maybe even surprised themselves of the response they got. Ed promised they wouldn't wait another 12 years to the next time, and they kept their promise. Then they returned in 2014, and they were supposed to return in 2020, which means they're returning in a couple of months. Maybe, probably, hopefully. We'll see. I'm hoping for you guys, Sweden. Over the years, I've been lucky to see the band nine times, but that night in Stockholm 2012 will have a special place in my heart. And in your heart, your memories will stay because we're here to preserve them and we're here to save them for all eternity. So you can go back on this in another five years and listen and be like, that was the show another 10 years and say, Whoa, I can't believe what I've forgotten in the last five since I had listened. Like this is going to be here hopefully for as long as they allow podcasts to exist. If it doesn't, then we will build some sort of archive on the dark web, whatever we got to do. Michael, thank you so much for the story. It's yeah, always thanks, great. Michael. Always great to hear from people, especially outside the U.S. that just have these experiences that I don't think John and I can really sort of comprehend, especially, you know, John, a little bit with you because they don't go to Atlanta as much. But for me, like I drove an hour and 15 minutes to go see them in New York City and then, well, Ed at least, and then he played there the next night. Like I, I, I'm lucky in that facet. I've had multiple opportunities to see them and go home and sleep in my own bed that night, you know? Yep. I, I have not had that in a, in a while. Small town starts it off. Like Michael mentioned. Whoa. 
time they're seeing it ever this this arena the Ericsson Globe Arena and I think this is just a good indicator of just a crowd and and saying hello to them I think a lot of the verbiage of course that Ed uses within at least the opener to kind of set the tone for the night I think with small town you're reintroducing yourself to a group of people that it's a smaller arena too so you feel like you're kind of within a more niche and comfort community and when you hear the crowd go and take their moment on this like i I think michael said like the band might have got caught off guard in some moments so i was a little caught by surprise when the crowd took it on their own I, i thought it sounded very good yeah this is a a really good gauge for how the crowd is going to go you know when they play small town first that they're expecting it to be that kind of anthemic crowd-led version and yeah this one does not disappoint i mean this sets the tone right away like this is going to be one of those fun easygoing pearl jam shows crowd's going to be great everyone's going to be having a great time 2012 is a year that like you mentioned like we don't talk about a lot it's the end of that album cycle they're getting ready to kind of go into the bunker and emerge a year later with a new record and they're just out there to have fun This is the only versus song of the night, yeah, which is kind of interesting. But that's what they do when they don't play places for a long time, and then they go back. Like you know, the next time they play Atlanta, whenever that is, I expect to get a lot of ten songs because they're going to know that they haven't played there in a long time, and that's what people want to hear. That, well, that's, I would, that's I, I would expect stuff. a ton of versus songs because I would think that they would be paying a little bit of tribute to uh, we'll the Atlanta yeah, 94. I, it's, it's just going to depress me if we talk about that too much. But the point is that you're these people haven't seen them for 12 years. And so they're going to come back and they're going to make sure that they're crowd friendly right from the beginning. And yeah, Small Town hits that note perfectly. And yeah, the crowd is fantastic right away. Let's get into the next three, and you know you're thinking, 
2012, you're starting to sort of wind down the backspacer a little bit. You get some here and there. I think it's pretty much, it, there's no backspacer deep cuts at all. There's no Johnny guitar. There's no speed of sound sort of songs, but you're getting the, the ones that sort of stuck around. It's going to be Corduroy and the Got Some and the Why Go. I think that trio is pretty common for 2009 through 2012 era. And I think with a crowd like this, I think there needs to be a lot of familiarity. You mentioned there's going to be a lot of 10 songs. I think Corduroy right from the jump is very smart because I think you need to hit them with some stuff that hits home, that they know, that they are like dying to sing to. And I think I think it all works. I, I, you know, as far as performances go, I thought Corduroy's vocals had a little bit of an echo on it. I don't know if you noticed that with Corduroy. No, I didn't notice. There's some cool aspects, Maybe like some, the, some the crowd. Yeah, yeah. The, the crowd is really lively during Corduroy, of course. I think it's exactly what you expect from all three of these. The the maybe the one moment that sort of kind of was like, oh, that that's a little bit different. There's some subtle backing vocals in Gotsum that maybe because I'm not paying attention to the song as in-depthly like when I usually do like maybe I'm not privy enough to catch but I thought especially coming off of last week listening to those backup vocals I'm picking up on them more now and with Why Go you're setting a precedent for the crowd that like you mentioned in blasting with these 10 songs it seems like that's exactly what they want too yeah and, and I mean look at these first four you're getting versus Vitalogy Backspacer and 10 like that's very much on purpose they're very much hitting those older classic records that are going to get the crowd going and they're sliding like one from the latest one in there. It's yeah, it's classic Ed setless craft. And for me, Corduroy is the highlight early. It really does have some juice behind it. They even go into like a little bit of a jam at the end, and it's really really good. It was very lively, kind of bouncy. I thought yeah, Cameron and, and McCready playing off each other just like you won in a classic Corduroy. And like this is one of the last of like the old versions of Corduroy because in 2013. You know, 2014, 2015, 2016, they would really transition over to that that new version. So this one's good. It almost had a hint of some of those mid-90s versions that were very, very good. So after the trio, Ed addresses the crowd, speaks in Swedish, and we've gone a half hour into the show without making a Swedish chef reference. And I guess here it is because... Let's not. Yeah, I mean... Look, I think he does pretty good. He always calls whatever language he's trying to to speak. He always calls it dog shit or whatever. And I think he calls his Swedish shit here. But like, it's impressive that he at least gets and he's able to to get the joke out. You know, like he's able to actually make him laugh. Like we mentioned before, he actually studied that up. And I'm sure he spent all night just like, okay, how do I say these words? How do I pronounce it? How do I not sound like an idiot? And yeah, the crap, you know, and the crowd ate it up. He's going to someone on the in the crew or whatever, some some of local course. person. Like, hey, read that, read this for me, and like work with me and let me practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that would be hilarious to see. And saying to the crowd, it looks like an ocean out there. People just need to take care of each other. Speaking of ocean, we're going to start the next section with a backspacer song that's about the ocean amongst the waves. And it's going to get into Wishlist, which is going to get into Given a Fly. This little section here is kind of pop rocky, you know? It's it's upbeat, some sing-alongs, some notable songs. And I think the one thing that really took me by surprise was Mike was using a pedal on Wishlist. And it seemed like he kept it going and used it for given a fly because given a fly 
has that sort of almost studio sound not not replicated but like that beginning it had that sort of pedal effect to it that we don't usually get live usually it kind of is just like a rip sort of version and straight very straightforward on guitar and it doesn't have like any embellishment on it but this had a little bit something i i guess he just kept it there because he knew i'm gonna use it on wishlist so why the hell not use it on give it a fly i'm surprised the two aren't yeah. packaged more often together yeah, two yield songs in a row. So yeah, you're gonna go back to they probably found some setting or something. Dumblin doesn't do. Yeah, that's that's a good catch. That's interesting. Yeah, given the fly is is the highlight of this little section. I thought it. You need that big kind of anchor early on before even flow to kind of get people going. And like you had the early sing-alongs with you know small town and why go, and then amongst the waves and wishlist. But yeah, given the fly is one that that can fit anywhere, and it just it's another one that's just the crowd like eats it up they've got the meeting out of their hands at this point and it's kind of three songs like you mentioned that are kind of similar music styles there's no like real punk rock section here you get why go and got some which doesn't really count so you're going right into these kind of like semi-soaring poppier guitar rock songs they kind of fit well together but yeah given a fly is the one always now I, I wonder because people have called Sweden the world's capital of pop music. Oh, and ABBA, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not just even ABBA, but it's it's what happened. Like basically, Sweden's responsible for the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, and Sync. Like they went to Sweden and and recorded all those songs that were written by Swedish studio recording is artists. That, is that true? At 100% true, yes. I always thought it was Florida. Well, they're from Florida, but they don't write their own songs. Right. They're, they're just the talent. They were deployed to, to Sweden to go and record all this stuff. Like, they, And go and read something from Justin Timberlake or, or Britney Spears, and they'll say that the credit goes out to the guys in Sweden that help. And, and if you have Netflix, there's a documentary that's out there that's, that's pretty good. It varies from time, but there's like a 10-part music documentary, and one of the episodes is about how Sweden kind of is the capital of the pop music world. For, for a second, I thought you were going to talk about that Eurovision Will Ferrell movie. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but no, I was, uh, Sweden's got a good music scene, too. Their punk hardcore scene, you know, I refused, and I'm not going to bore these people by talking about the Andy Peterson's Army record. And there's some, DS, DS there's some 13, metal that comes out of uh, yeah, they, Sweden they've, as well. they've got, uh, Yeah, they've got some uh, they got a good music scene up there in Sweden. Yeah. Kudos to them. We spent, what, a half hour and didn't make a Swedish app reference, and we spent 40 minutes and didn't make an app reference. So we have now crossed those lines, and we can just move forward. And the next three, and I'm going to kind of do the sandwich here and go comatose, even flow, worldwide suicide, because there's some just interesting way of going about these three together. Comatose, by the way, is just awful. I don't like when they down tune it at all. Like when they start, oh, it just, really. no, I, I, when they down tune it, it feels like something's off when you hear those chords right away. Like sometimes when other down tune songs happen, you're like, Oh, what is this? Okay. I kind of get what they're going at, but when that happened, there's some sort of distaste there for me. I guess you sort of, you're like a child sometimes that wants their food and things the way they are and if they don't see it the way they are they're, they're like take it back and i guess that's how i am with with this version of comatose and i just it didn't feel what groove they were in and, and it's just weird that 
there are avocado songs that are sandwiching even flow, you know, and there's no like even flow break. I don't know if it shortchanges even flow. It's it's a shorter version. It's very basic bag of tricks for Mike. When you say basic bag of tricks, it means it's still a very, very high level, but we're not going to talk about it for another five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, this whole first part of the set, I think, I don't want to say suffers because that that puts it in a negative light, but it just didn't have like a big moment. Like Corduroy tried to be that and it was a little bit, but you needed like something like the back half of this has a couple of really good moments. The first half of this set was just kind of breezy and it just kind of went through and there wasn't really a big, heavy moment to connect with. Right. The the comatose thing, like the downtuning doesn't bother me. It's more just that a lot of times they just can't recapture the energy of it. And Ed just voice is not, even at this point, it's not what it was five, six years ago in, in 2012. At least he doesn't fuck up that bridge, though. He like yeah, gets yeah. in and out of that bridge fine. That, that's what I'm always listening for after but it's 2006 like, versions. But we're going to talk about one in, in a little bit here that should have been played much more often. Comatose First. is one that maybe should have stayed in that era more. I don't think it does what they want it to do. Worldwide suicide here after even flow up. Even flow is what it is. I mean, like that's that's the yeah. anchor of the set. And like then Worldwide Suicide comes on. I'm just like John. It made the really? set directionless. They're they're, to me. they're really they're really doing this right now. Even it, in in 2012, it was kind of like uh, this is still around. This kind of thing like it's just it needed something else. It needed daughter. It needed something else to kind of give it some some weight. Yeah, especially that they didn't stop after Even Flow. Like Even Flow, Worldwide Suicide, back to back. I just. Are you trying to say that Worldwide Suicide is the song that you're highlighting? That, to me, just doesn't really compute. It doesn't really work. So, is what it is. Can't change the set, but we can move forward in it. So, Ed actually stopped after Worldwide Suicide, talked about playing the Cool Cat Club, which he thinks sunk into the ground, but 20 years ago, they played this song there, and that's where you're going to get another 10 song, and you're going to get Garden. heavy sets gardens the rare song that they pull out you oh, know yeah. what i mean yeah 
This version of Garden is a very delicate. Stone's kind of setting the pace for it, and Matt's channeling that energy and sort of kind of feeding off of that. It feels like the first song of the night that wasn't a copy-paste performance from maybe another performance that they've done in the past. You know what I mean? This felt soulful. This felt like it had an emotional punch to it. This felt like it's unique to this show. Yes, I agree. This was kind of the first, like, Worldwide Suicide was kind of like, oh, they're kind of doing, they're doing, still doing this. But Garden was like, oh, okay, here's something that makes you sit up and take notice. And like you said, a lot of 10 in this, and especially in, in the 2010s, getting Garden is going to be crowd friendly. You know, going back, that's one that there are deep cuts on 10, but the deep cuts on 10, people still know. It's not like, right. you know, they, they can break out deep or oceans or whatever, Garden and and it's still going to be a big hit with the crowd. They can't do that with almost any other record. Right. They can't do that with Satan's Bed or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, Garden, I thought it was a very good performance. One of the ones that really felt like they were putting their heart and soul into it. Absolutely. So Ed mentions that the song was written by a very great songwriter. Wouldn't you know, Stone Gossard. Of course, Stone Gossard wrote that song. It's the most typical 90s Stone song. Everybody's chanting for him to sing, and Ed said, oh, I'm trying to get him to, but to, to no avail. That, by the way, that was last week. We were able to get Stone to sing last week. This week, we somehow missed the boat. But the next song was written by Ray Davies, and it's a song of hope. And it's a song that has only been played twice. Can you believe that? The song's called Better Things. It's a kink song. And it was a Christmas single, I believe, in 2011, if I'm yep. not mistaken. I think so. So here's my a little bit of background. I, 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 first of all, I love the song. I love the Kinks version. Second of all, more than a Kinks version even, I love the Bouncing Souls version of this song. I think it's phenomenal the way that they do it. Oh, I've and, not heard that. Oh, it's, it's very, very good. And that's coming from somebody that in 2003, 2004, the Bouncing Souls were really my Pearl Jam. I spent a lot of my summer following them around and going from club to club in New York. I I must have seen them like, you know, four times in a month at one point. Like I I, I saw them a lot kind of in transition high school, college a little bit, and then it kind of died down. So it might be a little biased there, but I really, really do enjoy their cover of this. And I think that's why when Pearl Jam did it a couple years later, because I think Bouncing Souls cover came out in 2006. And when Pearl Jam did it five years later, I listened to it. I'm like, you know, this just doesn't have the same bite, the same like blossom that. Yeah, Bouncing the Bouncing Souls, Souls the Bouncing Souls are a punk rock band. They're going to I, I know, but I understand that. But like Pearl Jam has had songs like that that have kind of like that vibe to it it's almost like the bouncing souls version kind of sounded like the positivity that radiates from down you know what i mean it had that feel to it and then when i listen to pearl jams like you know the, the, there's one thing in the chorus where ed sings it the i hope to tomorrow you'll find better thing and the way that he sings that uh, it just throws me off because i know that the way that I've been hearing the song sung by the Souls, and, and I've listened to the Souls version more than I've listened to Pearl Jam's version, more than I've listened to the Kinks version, that little part always kind of takes me away from it. That's the edge that it's missing. I hope 
this is the last time they ever played the they played it one other time on that tour and yeah. it didn't feel like it really clicked you know what i mean it's a song that you should have fun during and i didn't feel that coming from them huh yeah i don't have that association and i like this song a lot when the fan club single came out i was uh, admittedly not familiar with the kinks version so the pearl jam version was the one that i heard first and I really like it a lot. I think it's one of the better 2010 fan club single songs that they've put out. I wish they would have played it more often, but I think you're getting at something where it it's one of those things that doesn't translate well to their live performance. It's almost something that would fit better in like an Ed and the Earthling show, where sure. it's more of a that. it's more of like a lighthearted kind of fun atmosphere and coming off of garden and going into the the next song it maybe felt a little out of place but for me it's, it's still a highlight of the show like only being played twice they only played it one other time and i think amsterdam in this this year and it's been a long time since since i've heard that version so this was a nice surprise here i loved it objectively it did kind of throw the set off a little bit because looking at the back half of this you got like, oh man, like heavy songs, like the couple coming up or like, yeah, yeah, like that's, you're, you're ending the set with Jeremy, which is like a big, powerful moment, big emotional moment. And it didn't feel like maybe this was the right night for it. The Kinks, I'm sure were big in Europe, big in Sweden. So the crowd knows it. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, didn't bother me at all. This was one of the highlights for me. Again, it goes back to what you're comfortable with, and I have always been comfortable and loved the Souls version, and that's just sort of how I stuck with it. And, and it's very rare for me to to not take the side of Pearl Jam's on something. But again, even though like I, I was a Pearl Jam fan before I was a Bouncing Souls fan, I was very much Bouncing Souls addictive in those years, kind of when I was 17, 18 years old. Like I, I nearly got a Bouncing Souls tattoo and talked myself out of it somehow. I sit here now, honestly, for 15 years, I didn't listen to them. I thought I was going to do a deep program. We might end up doing it at some point later this year. I thought I was going to do it on them. So I went and I did the deep dive and I was just blown away once again. So it's, it's come back around. That's probably why I do bring it back up. But moving back on into the set, we only have a couple songs left in the main set. Unthought Known Happens After Better Things. Things, and I think that's kind of where, like, look, Unthought Known After Garden really can bring the crowd back up and can kind of get you there. But, As yeah, it would think, have a nice flow. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I think there is a little bit of a disconnect when you play a cover that they're not very comfortable with and a song that maybe they know, maybe they don't. But again, if they know it, they don't know it because of Pearl Jam. So I, I think that's the big thing here. If it was more of a even like an arms aloft or something like that, where Pearl Jam is kind of known for doing it at the time, then okay, I can see it. But Unthought Norman was very, very good. And I think they click with it just about every single night after 2010. And I think people know how important it is and how impassioned it is. And I thought that that was a very good version. But I, I, I want to just kind of fast forward to all those yesterdays because it's just a, a very good talking point here. It's taken by request. And it hadn't been played in 52 shows since 2010, so two years. But 52 shows in, in, in two years, that, that, that's a lot. You know, Better Things is, is very rare, but you have to kind of throw that in its own category because it's really not a Pearl Jam staple kind of thing or a Pearl Jam song. All Those Yesterdays is the gem of this set to take from this and say, whoa, we got something that maybe they never get in the States. 
the song might have had a little bit of a bumpy progression to it and I think you're gonna get that when you haven't played it in two years but once they really kind of hit a little bit of the gain on it it feels pretty good and then something really magical happens you know towards the end where they start really kind of digging into that sort of psychedelic kind of groove the crowd just sways back and forth and it's just so much fun to watch. You look at the pit and you look at what they're doing and they're going and Ed is starting to kind of channel them and see what they're doing and move back and forth. And imagine, just imagine if all those yesterdays was one of those songs that from 1998 where they said, all right, we can click with this. We know what we're doing. We know what we can do with the crowd with this. We know how to control this song. Imagine if nowadays, like all those yesterdays was played like 152 times and people know at that point that, okay, here it comes and they're ready for it and they get excited. Imagine how great that would be. Oh, it'd be amazing. I say this every time that that we talk about the song. It's absolutely criminal that hasn't been played 10 times as often as it has. And there's even a moment too, like at the beginning, as soon as they start playing it, you hear the crowd go like, ooh. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. Uh Um, Yeah, this brings this whole set together. This is the moment that you've been waiting for since Elderly Woman and Corduroy to start. This was, this is the payoff of what was promised with those two songs early on. This is the big crowd moment. Yeah, like like mentioned, just got got chills watching that that crowd go back and forth. It again added weight because you know I haven't seen live music in nearly two years, probably more than two years at this point. But yeah, it just gave me a really good feeling and really tied this whole main set together. I thought very very good performance, probably the highlight of the night.
coming up next is a song that you're probably saying at the time, like, okay, maybe play it a lot less often. And now you never get it. So you got your wish. Do you kind of regret it? Some people maybe yes, some people maybe not. But Ed kind of does mention, he says that that was beautiful at the end of all those yesterdays. But the next one is about doctors, parents, nurses, kids, teachers, and it's the fixer. So the only real no, it's going to end the set, the fixer and the half full and the Jeremy. And the only real note I had about the fixer is just stone had a pretty cool feeling it face during it. Like uh, if you look at his face, he kind of, he's really, he was feeling the groove of the song and that was fun to watch, but it feels like we've had more of the fixer in the past month or two than we've had in the last year. And I'm like, I just feel like that. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. I'm a little bit ready to move on. I think it was nice to sort of get it back. And it's like, okay, it's a little bit refreshing the first time around. But I, this is maybe like the third time we've covered it this year. And I'm just I'm like, all right, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, it, it just doesn't have the staying power. And even something like Unthought Known, which we just talked about, does. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's it's just night and day. Yeah. Half full, as mentioned before, Michael had kind of suggested maybe half full was taken as a request because it was on his flag, which I would love if that were the case. If Ed saw that at that Amsterdam show and said, all right, you know, let's make a note of it or somebody. He he notices things like that. You know, he does. does, Or somebody backstage kind of made a note and said, hey, we're going to Sweden in a week or two. Let's hammer it down. And Ed kind of segues that by saying, this is about my wine bottle (laughs) called half full. (laughs) Ta-dum, ching. Yeah, it's a pretty inspired performance. We did kind of gloss over even full a little bit. You kind of mentioned that it was like a little bit of a shorter version and didn't really have that like standout three minute mic solo. That's another thing that this set was just crying out for is like some really good Mike McCready moments. And you finally get one here late. I think I thought Mike was very good on half full. And another one that should have been played two or three times more than it has. I think it's a live looking at live footsteps here. It's only at 76, which is yeah, it's pretty light. Low. Yeah, very low. While Mojo is up with all those yesterdays it kind of stays up a little bit with the fixer and it keeps up with half full and then jeremy ending the set it doesn't happen very often that you get jeremy to close my only real gripe with it is it felt left unfinished if you know what i mean like it felt like jeremy could have led to a do the evolution could have led to something that was more concrete and finite you know what i mean yeah no rear no rear mirror here right no rear mirror in the set at all which honestly could have absolutely used it jeremy even for what it is and the song and how popular it is it's more of a penultimate than a finale you know what i mean we're not used to getting it but i think it can it can hold its own there as long as it's got that big crowd sing-along ending it needs to be that big fist pumping, like everybody doing the whoa, like does this version? It almost gets there, but we've heard better and I'm not putting down this crowd at all, but it needs to be in like a big, almost like a Wrigley or a Fenway or like a ballpark where you've got right. 70, 80, like one of these big festivals or you've got a 90, 100,000 people all with their hands up screaming that back at you. And yeah, it just wasn't quite what the band I think they got too hung up to on be. like the the idea of this is a 10 night so let's kind of yeah maybe package package it together that way yeah, but it's, it's it's not it's not the song it's not the crowd it's more just the vibe of it and like the general just feel of the night maybe just wasn't the right time for it yeah just just odd way it didn't feel like they built to it the idea is for Jeremy to like 
this is building to something bigger. And yeah, it's like afterwards, you've got, you've got that crowd, like you've got everybody riled up, like you you've got to have the payoff, like yeah. Yeah, and right. I think like a lot of times we, like you said, we do see Jeremy in the penultimate spot because that's where it works really well because you get everybody up on that high like it's the thing right before the wave crashes you've got the wave at its highest peak and then you go with a porch then you go with a rearview mirror then you go with a better man then you bring the house down yeah for sure all right we're at the encore now let's pause for station identification talk about some of the things that we got going on uh there's always stuff going on at patreon this has been a patreon requested episode all that we've done in 2022 so far have been patreon requested episode we have one more next week and then we're going to get into something completely different than we've been doing and we'll do that for a couple weeks get back to a couple patron spots and then we'll mix it up a little bit we'll have we'll have a little fun but look no nobody to thank this week no new patrons that's 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 fine because there's been not really any new content, but new content is coming. Uh, can say hi we, to our new Twitter followers. We got a bunch of new Twitter. Oh followers. yes. Thank you to all you guys and, and new community group followers yeah. on, on yeah. Facebook as well. I think that having set list threads and, you know, me being at the show and being able to post pictures and live updates probably helps the cause. And, and once again, I think I shouted them out before, but I, I think we got followed by about like, 20 different Josh Klinghoffer fan sites. <laughs> so, okay, if we're in good with them, then I guess we're in good. But on the way, if we have to mention this every week, we will. Crazy Mary Evolution's coming very soon. Promise. We're, we're working on it. The Late Night a series is going to continue with SNL 94. I would say before the end of the month, we should have both of those done and out, and you should be listening and be happy with them. But contributing to Patreon is contributing to the show and helping us out a little bit and getting more content. And if you like what we're doing here, you'll love what we're doing at Patreon because we absolutely turn it up for them and make sure that the content is not saying that this content isn't really good, but the content at Patreon is just as good as as this stuff and with a little extra spice because we know that we just appreciate so much that, that people are, are giving back to us and, and want to give back to us and that there are a fairly decent amount of people that do want to do that. It's it's uh, it's nice to see, but we're always interested in more people that want to join, more people that want to get the exclusive content, and more people that might want a requested episode. So just like yeah. this one, patreon.com slash live on four legs or live on four legs on the Patreon app or go to live on four legs.com and you can pretty much click on anywhere to say, hey, become a patron. Sure, I'll do that. And then you can actually listen to the stuff on live on four legs.com instead of going to Patreon and listening because, well, the app's not very listener friendly or very user friendly, but it's it's there. It helps archive. And uh, I think, you know, having the stuff that's on our site definitely helps out our never ending gratitude to all of our patrons. Like I think you and I both, you know, we, we see that thing at the beginning of the month and like, Oh man, they all, they all stuck around. Like they, all right. <laughs> they're all still there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes all, sometimes not all, but that's okay. It's, yeah. It's, it's just, but it's, it's a nice boost to see, you know, in the first month that you guys are all, who, who donate are all sticking around. It means a lot. And, you know, we will get Pearl Jam shows at some point and we will be we going big with that. Like we promised. Yep. So, you know, stay tuned. Good, good things on the horizon. Absolutely. That's all I got to say about that. Let's get back into the rock. In the encore, Ed says, I don't know what we've done to deserve it. We're, we're so appreciative to be here. Now that we know that we're welcome, we'll be back more often. He kept his promise on this he one. Did. How about that? 
What was the one that we did recently where we're like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's been 10 years. I, I, I forget which show it was. It was something pretty recent where we're like, that was a total lie. But, Indiana. I think Indiana. Oh, maybe. They've at least been yeah, there yeah. well since, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of it. I can't think of what it was. Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't matter. There's too much going on. But he calls for an all Sweden tour and calls for another bottle of wine. So this one is a dedication to Johan from Finland, because most people from Finland are named Johan. Uh, (laughs) I thought they were named named Timu. <laughs> that's good or or Sako Saku Koivu I'm, mm. I'm thinking yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of all the Finnish hockey players too yeah that's the Johan Franzen that that, that that fits it right in and and I was actually going to make a Sedin twins reference before and yeah. I, you know we made Swedish chef we made ABBA like hey, I, the, the Winter Olympics are going on I was just they are like Finland Finland and Sweden are on the, the front of my, my brain right now of course ski, yeah ski jumping and all that yeah and you know what I'd be remiss not to mention this but a week ago one of my favorite athletes to ever watch uh henrik lundquist he had a tremendous career if you don't follow hockey he had a tremendous career playing goalie for the rangers i watched nearly 99 percent of the games that he played for them a lot of them live a lot of them in person a lot of them in big playoff games that he won and stole the show of and he's absolutely one of my favorite players of all time he retired this year and the rangers retired his number about a week ago and since he's you know the king's Sweden, and they literally call him the king. I figured I'd shout him out right here because why the hell not? We're talking about hockey anyway. So this one for Johan and all of the world travelers, and it's off he goes. And I was pleasantly surprised by the way that this one played out because they played it up perfectly. They kind of let the song have the rise and fall moments. They didn't make it sort of a everybody come together and, and sing along by the campfire sort of deal. They had like emotion. It kind of felt like a traveler sort of song. Like you're, you, you can see yourself on the road, like, and that that's really what the song is. It's such a great road trip sort of song when you're in the car with a couple buddies and you know there's that moment where everybody's just sort of quiet just listening to the music and a song like that comes on you can kind of take in the moment for a second and just not feel uncomfortable not talking you know what i mean it it has kind of turned into one of their really good like road songs and it got me thinking too like if you know we've been working on these evolution episodes that would be maybe a sneaky good one to do that we haven't really thought of yeah because it's it's gone through it's gone through some stuff over the years and there's been a few different versions and in the 2010s it's kind of found its groove in that mode of like that you really get the feeling of of someone in motion and someone traveling and a lot of pearl jones best stuff has that so yeah this is this is very good as well i really enjoyed this i wonder about his insides looks like his thoughts are too big for his
and mic solo or subdued than it is loud. Sometimes I'll pull out a really loud one for this, and you're just it's like, still, oh, it, it works. It works. Yeah, yeah. This will. This one really, really yeah. works. All the pieces move really well. Create a very beautiful version. And then Ed dedicates "Just Breathe" to what I wrote were some friends and newlyweds. What Michael had mentioned that I think I failed to realize was that it was a, I guess, the parents of a Ross killed victim. It seems. I don't know if he actually mentioned that in the show. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I remember. I, I don't remember hearing that. I feel like I would have, have written it down, but he, he did um, speak yeah. like very highly. He was just like, oh, they're amazing, amazing people. You know what I mean? Like he kept saying that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ross killed. So and then he and then he goes and forgets the lyrics. Yep. <laughs> Second freaking line. Come on. But you know what? That's what you get for not fucking putting Jeff Ament in the song. Seriously. So, fuck you. God, it makes me so mad. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just like every time just breathe without I'm like, I wait for it. I'm like, okay, is this gonna be a bass one? Because like just breathe with the bass is one of the best things that they do, period. And just breathe without the bass is not. It's just kind of a saccharine, semi-cheesy thing where like I don't like it nearly as much. And I every time I'm like, here we go. I hope this is going to be with the bass. And it's not. And I get depressed. And that I'm going to get off my sandbox right now. But it just uh, play the goddamn bass every single time. Come on. Look, I know what you uh, mean, man. I mentioned this a bunch of times. Just Breathe was my, my wife's wedding song. Yeah, we actually, yeah. we did a couple of dance lessons because I, I can't fucking dance and I won't fucking dance. So <laughs> I, I, you know, the dance teacher said to me, he, he asked me when we're listening to the song, he's like, what do you hear? What's like, what's the beat that you're hearing? I'm like, I hear the bass. Like I immediately hear the bass. He's like, okay, then, then kind of do the box step to the bass. And there you go. It, it helped. But it's, I one of, it's one of Jeff's <laughs> best. It's one of I mean, and it Jeff really Ament is. is a oh one of the greatest underappreciated bass players of all time. The things he does is just works so well. But no doubt, this is one of his best moments on record, and I do not say that lightly. But it almost makes me want to like stop and go listen to the studio version to hear it again because oh, it's so perfect, and we almost never ever get it. Yeah. Got all everything I want to say, and I think from the point I, I actually was enjoying the song up until I thought when Jeff was going to come in, and then all my comments was just why, 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 why? I don't care. Like because yeah, the melody, the melody, like right, leads into that bass line so well, and it's almost mm -hmm. like the the bass is like the lead instrument. Oh, it's so good. And uh, they just kind of ignore it, and that's why I'm going to kind of just move forward on to State of Love and Trust and do the evolution because. I guess they have the base in it. So from here on forward, I feel like so far the set, it has some moments, but it, it just really, it hasn't impressed me as much as like a unique Pearl Jam set would impress somebody. And I, I'm looking at what's coming and I'm like, they have to do a lot of work to make this work for what I'm looking for. You know, State of Love and Trust and Evolution are great songs, but they're also ones that they can kind of coast a little. I thought State of Love and Trust at least just coasted. It Evolution started off had, very well. I thought Mike really went for it on that intro, and then it, it kind of lost the momentum that it had. Right. Now, Evolution, I don't think we could say the same thing, because Evolution has 
the soccer and and oh, yeah. look, I think Evolution's probably a highlight from this. Honestly, it's, it's good to be honest. Yeah, yeah. doing uh, the South American thing. The South American thing, and it's not even you know the the crowd does it on their own. It's not even that Ed prompts it or and and when you usually think of that guitar solo kind of happens and when they do it they usually go around twice they went around four measures with this that's uh that's pretty impressive that's been dying for the look and they they had only had one opportunity to play it i'm sure they played it in 2000 i don't know the set very well but i'm sure they played it then but it's one they're dying for of course you know they're having fun it's a good performance you get to see stone just rocking the fuck out like of course yeah of course you can hear in the background a little bit you can hear a few people continuing the chant Uh, it kind of dies out a little bit it's not rio it's not buenos aires where it's like going and the band has to catch their breath sort of deal. It, it kind of dies out after a time or two. But Ed asked Boom afterwards if he had ever been to Sweden, and uh, turns out he hadn't. So why not play a Who cover and go with Love, Rain, or Me, which, honestly, like I thought that they had played this way more than they had. It feels like they do play it more, because I guess it gets talked about more. And this was the 20th time out of 25 versions of this and the one thing i will say about this this is a very good version uh, the one thing i'll say is the camera angle is really good the way that you could just watch boom and kind of almost shadow him and see exactly what he's doing and kind of look at like how he's progressing and, and almost like in a way where i'm looking at myself and sometimes you see boom and you think like oh he's just kind of he's the added live talent and like he's good and all that but like this Whenever he does Love Rain Army specifically, I think he's like superior talented. You know, like he's playing this song and it looks like this is like child's play to him. This is like Mary had a little lamb or some shit. You know what I mean? Like he just he's rotten. He's getting into it and like the the emotions, the vibe from it. Very, very vibrant. I've I've really enjoyed watching Boom on this. He captures kind of the intangibles of it, especially on that intro. The tempo of it is perfect. Like he really got the feel for it very early on. This version I thought was a it got it was a little rough around the edges. It felt like it could have fallen apart a little bit. Not the yeah, most not of that has of, to go to Ed. Yeah, not one of the most like triumphant who love rain over me. Like this is like a big song, right? This is a big emotional right like loud, like heavy big song and like it needs that 
the band needs to be like right on and i felt like they were a little rough on this one still very good like i i love the cover another one where i wish they would play it more but an interesting choice and yeah boom gets a little moment here he's gonna he's gonna get another one in a, in a few more songs specifically i thought that jeff sounded very good on this and yeah, yeah. this is you know when you think of who's on like and whistles is like if oh, if and whistles one then then jeff is two you know what i mean like they're they're very neck and neck in in the rock and roll bass player world but like uh, that you've, you've, I, you've got your you've got your showy like your fleas and your mike watts and your matt mm-hmm. freemans and those people oh yeah but and whistle and amen it's a different style it's a more complimentary style like they're letting mm-hmm. like and whistle has pete townsend you know jeff has mike mccready they don't need to be that showy kind of style but uh the, they're just as good they they should be right up there in that upper echelon and you know who else is like that matt helbig's like that i'm just gonna throw that hey, out matt. hey matt Sh- shout out we to know matt. you're listening because, because he's with look, me on I, just I, breathe. I, I know too. I know he was. He, <laughs> oh, he, was, totally he was right with me on that. He he totally is. And and the, the the reason why and I played in the band with him for a couple of years and and I've seen him and the way that he's gone about it and it, it's just the same thing. Like you hear little pieces of his parts and songs, and it's not like the standard like okay playing exactly what the the rhythm guitar is playing like it's just little bubbly parts little like up and down kind of boom 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 and this one kind of reminds me of that like like it's just it's his own song essentially if he plays that backstage do you think he's playing love rain or ring maybe not but then when it comes in the song you're like oh wait that's where that's from that's recognizable for that that's where the bass comes in and and just a shout out because yeah, Matt, well, Matt and I have been talking all week, so. Okay, cool. I, I was not like that as a bass player. I was, you know, I barely, know barely competent. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> I tried to play as fast as possible. Like, I was often yeah. trying to play 16th notes. Were you um, trying to be Mike Watt? I was not. I I, have, I don't have the talent that Mike Watt has in his pinky finger. Um, Were you trying yeah, to be I, Mike Durant? No, again, <laughs> Mike Durant, another very talented bass player that doesn't get enough credit. No, I was I was just trying trying to make it through each song as it went. Are you trying to be fat, Mike? No, no. I was, <laughs> I was trying to be better than the guy at the bar on Thursday night playing in the classic rock cover band. That's all I was shooting for. Aim low, my friend. Yep. Aim low, sweet chariot. All right, let's end with porch. I think it's all just having fun at this point. This version isn't going to sort of break the bank or anything like that. It's it's uplifting to the crowd and Ed going There's on the a stage. Basketball. What, what, did, what did that remind you of, real quick? Near um, amphitheater. Near amphitheater. And right. a little bit of leads of it right away. Yep. He had he had one leads too. He threw the ball back into the crowd in a place it wasn't at originally. Either that's sharing or that's stealing. I'm not sure, but I'm sure I'm sure it got back to where it needed to the go. The ball had to crowd surf. The ball the ball knows what it's doing. Ed got up on the little stage lift at sort of the edge of the stage. Some of the camera angles there again. I think the cameras look really good from cell phones or or whatever kind of gopros that people were using i think the camera angles were very very good from this youtube video but it looked like he was standing right on top of the crowd like he was right over him you know what i mean like at any moment he could have like done moses and and parted the red sea so it looked like he he goes down and like 
he's shaking hands and kissing babies the whole oh, time. Oh yeah, he's politicking all the way through, and it's a song, big mic smash, and say goodbye, and head on to encore too. And I think from here on out, like we mentioned, it's just all exactly what you expect. Look, good time, I, fun night with Pearl Jam. Yeah, when you think of, and this happens a lot in this show you can go back to the beginning you can go back to like that first you know trio after small town that wish list given a fly i think i kind of mentioned it with that if they played the same set list every single night the encore two song for song would be this Mm. i'm just gonna lay them all out right here it's bread and butter and and pickles and turkey and everything else yeah once and better man are like your appetizers crazy mary black that's like you're getting a feast alive is continuing the feast and rocking in the free world yellow lead is like cake and ice cream and there's no crazy cover there's no like sonic reducer kind of thing there's no like hey no, random no dirty frank action. like no random no. like rare song yeah anything yep, like that yep. it's it's but again there are three three ten songs four ten era songs by the book you know like yep. that th- that's what they were doing at this and i think that's what the crowd was there to see so going in chronological or going back to the, to the beginning of this ed checking in to seeing every, everybody's okay say it won't be another 12 years before they see him again and yep that was true and says if you're listening to this on bootleg you should see what I'm seeing. He just points out to the crowd, I think. He's just kind of like gesturing to the the reaction, I, th- I think, during that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like, what, two weeks in a row where he's mentioned like, hey, the bootleg. He doesn't do that very often, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I've gotten that back-to-back weeks, but we'll, we'll see what happens in East Troy. He mentions X, who's going to come into play in a conversation in a minute or two. And they were opening it for, for them on the tour and shouts out the crew that had 16 to 20 hour drive to get there. Shouts out to all the grunt workers and then calls out Neil and Karen. Neil, I believe was Matt's drum tech and Karen is I think like a operations manager or something like that. And it was both their birthdays. I feel like, they've gotten the birthday treatment together on another show too. Yeah. It could be two we, other we've, people. We've gotten that before. Yeah. But I remember we've, specifically two members mm-hmm. of the crew coming mm-hmm. out and getting, I know so, what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say it was probably Europe because if it's in Ju- July of 2018 or something like that, it, or 2014, it's probably in Europe birthday, 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 love. Ed says, this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut the fuck up. Gives a cheers to the crowd, and genuine thanks for coming. Once into Better Man, uh, you know, I think once gets like the good, you know, gathering around, gathering all together, hovering around Matt, which was very good. Better Man is shouted out for Kathy. He tells the crowd to sing it. They oblige. Sounds great. There's a good buzz on the, oh, like that sound. There's a good buzz on that. The crowd beats Ed to the tag. And call and response. Yeah. He just says, you sing, dude. Right. Yeah. And the crowd, they're, they're frenzied. They're, you know, mm-hmm. another one they can get excited for. Yep. So, look, it, it, it could be us being jaded American fans that we can see Better Man in this part of the set and be like, all right, well, that's happening again. But to us, what is chalk for them is 12 years in the waiting. So sure. I'm not going to... You know, I, 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 we judge bootlegs. We don't judge 
as much the experience. The best that we have is what Michael had to say. So I don't really have much else on the two of those. If you want to move on to Crazy Mary. Let's do it. Boom, setting the stage for co-op. And instead, he gets a duel. It feels like at first... It's very much like, okay, let's do it together. Then Mike walks over and he's like, nah, let's fuck around, man. Then Boom's like, all right, you want want to play? I'll go. And it gets pretty wild. If I were to call it, I know you always call it for Mike, but if I were to call it, I'd I'd call it a draw. You know, Boom gets the last laugh on it because he usually gets the last laugh. But man, I think they're, they're really neck and neck on this one. It's really can't do that. Oh, absolutely, I can. I oh, mean, you can. Boop, and we we gave Boom some love earlier. Don't don't get me wrong. I I, I think Boom is fantastic on this, and it it really is. Again, it's just f- totally fits in. Crazy Mary, the cover, like they can just jam it. Ed's like playing it up the whole time. Crowd super into it. This is this is another just crowd favorite. Like who doesn't love the song? There are people that don't like the song with Boom that are like Crazy Mary originalists and. I, I just well, don't. Yeah, I don't. It's that, 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 not. Yeah, I, I'm not into it's it. It's not a thing that I'm into. It's just fun, and like it's it's another big moment that the show needed more of early on, and that you're you're getting these hits here late, and it feels you know better late than never. They say, but it's just fun to watch them do it, and you know, again, you you just watch Mike playing, just watching Boom, and then just playing by ear, just kind of like doing whatever you just throwing it right back at him yes yeah, it's, it's just fun Anything to watch you can do no, i can do better wrong with it yeah yeah absolutely i'm gonna just attach black in with the bread and butter because i think mm-hmm. when we talk about bread and butter it's usually the three but a lot of the times when black is thrown in it's part of the group you know what i mean it, sure. it, it's oh, it yeah. it's right in it, it's it's usually in this spot for the most part i like when it can kind of be a penultimate to a uh, first encore or something like that. I felt like this was more just there instead of like creating a big moment for black. You know, there's a, a we belong together tag and, and that's good. And, and I think the, the performance is, is, is fine and, and good for what black is. But I think when sometimes you get performances of black, this is where the high, 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 high ceiling is, is that they develop a chemistry within the crowd and develop like a big atmosphere and i just thought that this one was just good and didn't grab atmosphere from it yet it's not one of like the big heavy black performances it more fits in with the theme of the show because it's you see i think ed has a joint at one point goes over to boom and like shares it with him they're like (laughs) they have a fun little moment and you know you're in sweden dude you know go nuts um yeah i thought that we belong together was great 
I like it when they kind of bring it down like that and you really get the crowd going and yeah, Black is another one, like just a absolute crowd favorite. You know, you're getting, this is what you want in Encore 2, like you mentioned, like this is everything that you want. It's, it's just crowd song, crowd song, crowd song, one after another. And yeah, it sets the table perfectly. There's no way there's not a single person that left this not feeling great with a smile on their face. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then once black is over, you can kind of dip into an emotion. Then you get alive and you're like, okay, this is it. This is, and for a lot of those people, they're probably like, is this the last time? You know what I mean? And and alive has to be a, a big moment to feel something. that. And you can tell that the band, and I think that's a lot of what Michael was saying, that the band was kind of just looking out and just being like, wow, this is, this is so cool that a crowd that we've ignored for 12 years is welcoming us back with open arms. Like we have to do right by them the next time. And and they did, and they're yeah. about to again. So it's great. And then Ed kind of in between alive rocking and free world. He's got some, fl- I think he's got like three Italian flags. It was tough to see if it was red or orange. I believe it was red. I think they were Italian flags and not Irish flags. Mm. I'm pretty sure, but you know, uh, here's Okay. I'm about to embarrass myself because I'll just tell the whole story. So rocking in the free world hits and we get these two people kind of coming on stage stone side. The guy is wearing a suit and he's got his hair kind of kind of quaff back a little bit and he kind of looks well to do, but he, you know, when he comes on stage, he kind of looks like he's got a tambourine hand, but he kind of looks uncomfortable. He kind of looks like, and, and the woman's, she's wearing a dress. She's wearing what looks like high heels and her hair is done really well. And she's got makeup on it. And like, it looks like this is like a, a couple uh, what I what I thought was a Swedish couple that were having a night on the town that happened. And I, well, here's the thing: I thought it was the couple that Ed mentioned in Just Breathe. Okay, okay. So <laughs> I, I can't wait until I drop the ball with this. Uh-huh. And so, th- and it looks like they're very awkward. And and then the guy goes to the mic and he starts singing. And for a second, I, I'm like, wait a minute, is he like? is he singing in Swedish? Because it didn't sound like he was quite singing the same words as Ed was singing. So I'm like, who is this? And where did they get them from? And, and how lucky are they? And it just, you know, and then Mike brought him over to his side to sing and his, my, I'm like, whoa, they're getting the full treatment. He's the, the woman is kind of in back and she's a little, you know, she's not as in front as, as the guy is. And he's just like, Ooh, yeah, this is fun. Here's the bombshell. I'm like, who is this guy? Once you get into that like little bridge where it kind of comes down a little bit, Ed's going on the mic. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Doe from X. I'm like, Oh fuck me. Yeah. That that's, that's John Doe. I, <sighs> he, 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 he looks rough. Yeah. He's, he's, they, they, they dressed him up in the nice suit. Um, mm-hmm. but that, yeah, that's, uh, that's John Doe. He is, X is an interesting band, and we're we don't have time to get into that right now. But X is a punk rock band, and he's I see where he would not be the most comfortable. Like some people come up and they they know to play to the crowd. Like we, the obvious antithesis to this is Bono from the the one that we talked about yeah. before, where Bono comes out and like takes over the stage and does his thing. Like John Doe is not he's not a rock star. He's not comfortable playing in front of these people. He does that's not his thing that he does. But yeah, I think that's John Doe and his daughter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't sure if that was his wife or, or yeah. 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 I, I like, I, and look, I'm going to just 
I, I know who John Doe is. I'm not stupid. I, I, I know who he is. I I thought I know what he looked like, but I guess I know more of what he looked like in the 80s. Than this, what he does yeah, now. this is not his classic X no, look for sure. Yeah. No, no, no. And I, in later years of X, like during this tour, he was wearing suits during his performances, mm-hmm. right? But I think never, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah never. It's my bad, guys, but. It makes for a funny story. So Stone- you have to go to you have to go to punk rock jail for a, for a few hours. All right. Well, I'll sit there and I'll listen to Good Charlotte. We, or some we're, shit. we're gonna we got to we got to punch your card. You get you get five and <laughs> that's, that's one. Then you're kicked out. Oh um, man, have you been to punk rock jail before? Uh, no, you're gonna say no. I've not. Of course not. <laughs> of course, I've never been to punk rock jail. I'm, I'm as punk as they come. Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> all right so it's look stone is more more, more than any veteran i'll give you that much yeah right the stone's obliterating the version and that's that's what you get from that and once again ed is genuinely can't get over how great the crowd is and just keeps thanking him and you're going to finish out the night with yellow lead better and a little little wing tag on the end and it's always nice to get that little flourish in there like you, you, that's not one that you get every single time when you think it tags off a lead better obviously they're not going to do the national anthem in 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 sweden so if you're going to get something you're going to get a little win nice little nice little touch yeah it's it's, i mean it's always a nice surprise when it shows up and that's the end of your set ladies and gentlemen john i don't remember whose week it is i don't remember if it's mine or yours i really don't I think it's if if I went first, I think this is the sixth episode of the year. So I, th- I think I think, I, think I go first this time. I think, I think you're going first, first right? Okay. My top three moments: Better Things it was a nice surprise. Love the song. Great to hear it live. We don't have very many versions of it, so that definitely piqued my interest, and I uh, really enjoyed it. My number two is Corduroy, and my number one is All Those Yesterdays. All right, my number three is going to be Off He Goes. Just haven't heard a version post 2000s era that sounded like that. And when I say 2000s, I really mean 2010s era that sounds like that, that has that vibe to it. I really dug it. And it's a song that creeps in and out for me every now and again. But I think this one is back in. Number two is going to be Garden. I think that that was the best performance of the 10 songs. That one felt like the most special. The rest, you know, when you get Once and you get Porch and like those are the other seven songs can be almost every single night. It just about. So Garden felt special and and not just because it was a rare 10 song, but because the performance was very, very good. It just had, you know, more of a soulful touch to it. And uh, number one, I'm with you. It's all those yesterdays. It's the back and forth and, and swaying from side to side. That's just very cool. I love hearing the song. It wasn't a top notch performance, but who cares? It was what, like the 14th time they'd ever played it. Who cares? Love it. Play it more. All right, let's rate. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to give this one, it's above average. I'm going to give this one an eight. Solid eight. Really? Yep. Whoa, all right. You know, it doesn't have the kind of the big standout, heavy, emotional moments that a lot of the, a lot of those nine and a halfs and tens get. It's not like a, it's not an instant classic, but it gets bonus points for this crowd. And like, it's just a positive, positive show. I'll give you that. Yeah, I think that the crowd does get its bonus points, but I don't think that it pushes it to that high of a level. I'm in the seven range, 
And it's just because I think that I look for a little bit more meat and potatoes. I look for a little bit more unpredictability. I look for a little bit more of the flow. I guess some of the flow that you kind of come to expect the even flow worldwide suicide thing threw me off the Jeremy closing the set threw me, threw me off. That could be considered unpredictable, but then the predictable stuff happens. And I'm like, gee, that, that that's, that's not as fun as a lot of other shows It's not a bad show by any stretch, but I think the, the garden and all those yesterday's performance, I'll, I'll remember, but the rest of the stuff, it's tough when you're, taking in a lot of bootlegs and and multiple ones and i try not to listen to much other pearl jam outside of what i'm doing for the week so i can really focus in and really kind of have my head wrapped around these songs especially when a song comes back and we haven't heard it for a while then it feels really fresh to me and that's what i like about it the most but you're gonna gonna enjoy it next week then oh i know oh trust me i know we're getting some riot act stuff i i am well aware yeah, I, I it was classic Pearl Jam in the sense of it's what they do, but I don't know if it's what they do best, if you know what I mean. Okay. So, which really it is what they do best because it's if it's what they do, then it's what they do best. But I think that they have so much more in their arsenal to give when you're thinking about bootlegs and when you're thinking about flow of of what you're listening to. I think that's that's pretty important. And again, not there not taking in the crowd, don't know the crowd from Sweden that can't have Michael's experience. I can't have Johan's experience or anybody else's experience. I was there, John Doe's experience. It doesn't matter. I, I can't have their experience, but I can you know, give you a, an unbiased opinion that's from what my ears heard and, and what my heart says. And uh, I, I think this is a seven. Yeah, yeah, every show is a 10 for somebody. 100%. I think this was a 10 for probably 13,000 people. Sure. So I, I give them more credit than I give myself, than I give you. I think that's what matters. But next week is an era that I think we both absolutely adore. It's 2003. We're going to East Troy. We've done almost every single show from East Troy, believe it or not. <laughs> I think we're just yeah. waiting on 98 because we hmm. did 92. We did 2000, which was the Ice Bowl. We did yep. both of the PJ20s, and this was yep. the only other one besides 98 that we hadn't done. Okay. And this is going to be another Patreon request. We'll, we'll hear from uh, Greg Schwab, who's one of our Horizon-like patrons. So he'll have a profile that's attached to this one, which should be very interesting. Love to talk to people about their history. And there's going to be a really good story, not from this show, but that'll be in his profile that we'll tell during that that I know that he'll have. So we'll at least have that. And yeah, East Troy, 2003. Should be fun. One of our favorite eras. If you enjoyed the show and enjoyed the positive aspects of the show and some of the banter, and then why don't you head over to Apple? Why don't you head over to Spotify? Make sure you're subscribed because the subscriptions definitely help. But also rate the show. Help us out by that. Give us five stars on Apple. You can comment on Spotify. You can't. On Apple, you can comment and kind of tell everybody what you think and, and say, look, these guys, they do an awful job, or these guys, they do an amazing job, or they do a so-so job. Like, you know, let people know what you think, because that'll help them, and, and they'll see the comment. They'll be like, oh, you know what? If he says that, or she says that about this show, then, okay, let's listen to it. Let's get into it. And then it just kind of keeps building, and, and you want to build bridges instead of 
build walls and then that's all we're trying to do is we want to build a bridge to every single person that has ever been to a show so we can preserve that memory just like we did today for michael and i hope we did right by michael michael's rating is what matters and michael's memory is what matters i hope that's what you take out of this the most so all right let's close this one on out we'll see you next week for east troy this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways miss you already miss you always just join us next week. Do all the social media stuff that we've been doing. We're here. We ain't going nowhere. 2003. We'll be back. I hope tomorrow you'll find better things. Forget what happened yesterday. I know that better things are on the way. Gone, it's all been said. So here's to what the future brings.